Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 4557. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. In this episode, we'll be discussing the result at the weekend against Bolton, that comeback that the Bristol City squad mustered. Also, the defeat in the Carabao Cup. There will be no cup run this year in the League Cup. Of course, it was such a highlight of last season. We'll be discussing if it's a good or a bad thing, and we'll be looking ahead to two fixtures. Firstly, the return of Aidan Flint and Middlesbrough coming to Ashton Gate and QPR next week. So, busy week at the moment. Fixtures coming thick and fast already. We're only in the second week of the season. What did you make of at the University of Bolton Stadium? I don't think I'll ever get used to calling in hmm. that. But um, they, they must have come back, didn't they? This is going to sound a bit silly, but I've actually been quite impressed by Bristol City and I kind of thought this might be the case. Um, they have shown a lot of positives and they have shown a lot of good signs. I know that today, after losing to Plymouth, um, there's a lot of City fans moaning, I think, this morning, it's fair to say. Um, not too impressed by obviously losing 1-0 to a... A team from the league below but I think if you look at the bigger picture and what's happened over the summer I think there are I agree with Lee Johnson I think there are positive signs here and um, they could easily have won the first two games um, wasn't quite to be they haven't taken their chances but I think there was always a, a large chance that this was what was going to happen With the Bolton game at the weekend what do you think sort of, was it a lack of concentration what led to the goals what was your insight on it from being sat there and watching them for the second game running yeah, I'd, I'd agree sort of with that. I think it is a lack of concentration, maybe a little bit of mental fragility. Um, Bolton are a decent side. I mean, they had that great win, didn't they, against West Brom first week of the championship season. And, and yeah, I, I agree with, I think Dean Holden was saying that there'll be a lot of teams go to um, the University of Bolton Stadium and not get very much. And mm. certainly when, I mean, like the city defence struggle at times to deal with Josh McGuinness, Yep. At times, uh, he was a real handful. I think he got man of the match. Statistically, mm-hmm. he was man of the match. Um, and there'll be a lot of teams who, who can't handle him. And when you add in um, some of the other players, they've they've got their attackers. Um, Team people have underestimated them this season, given their performance last season. A little bit, yes. But I do think they've recruited quite well. And obviously, along with McGuinness, they've got um, Oztuma, who they picked up from uh, Lee. Oh, from Warsaw? Yeah, yep. um, quality right. player, and he scored last night in the Carabao Cup. Um, and yeah, they, I think they've done some decent business up there, and I think they will pick up points. So maybe a point's not so bad from up there, it's just a little bit frustrating the circumstances. And mm. also, it really riles me when you see a team play really well and they don't get the result they deserved, and they, they should have won. It's going to be tough to get wins on the road. I mean, Bristol City haven't had one since. I mean, they, they, they yeah. had seventy percent possession. Sorry, when was the last time they won on the road? Uh, December, I believe. Wow, uh, last year. That's so bad. not this. Yeah, not this year. I think it's a a, a record r- running back twenty two years. I wow. believe. Wow. Um, in terms of uh, the know, home form was really dishing them out. Then in that case, I mean that obviously there's been draws away from home, but that's quite a serious problem, isn't it? Is that something you think the coaching staff are actively looking to to work on? I think so, but it's kind of context as well. If you ask Lee Johnson and the coaches, they'll say, well, they had the drop-off last season because of the injuries and games catching up with them. Um, and they've got a new squad now in, in many respects. Mm. That is the case. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I do think they've got a bit more deeper strength, as we'll maybe come on to. Um, I think they have recruited well, but obviously they've lost some key players as well. And I, I just think they probably need to get that first win of the season and definitely a win on the road. Um, and they have got a few little bits to sort out. I was um, talking with Jamie McAllister the other day in his press conference that, um, and I have to apologise to him actually because I quoted the wrong um, statistic, but it is that f- four of the last eight goals they've conceded on the road have been from corners. Wow. So, um, so yeah, set pieces are a problem. Yeah, and that is something people is, have recognised. Is that this season because it's a new defensive partnership gelling together? Or is it... What do you think well, it is? Well, I mentioned that and also um, the loss of Aidan Flint. But, yeah, I mean, most of those goals the, the, from that eight that considered from corners are last season, running back into last season's game. So, and I also thought that despite having Aidan Flint, six foot six of him, in the squad, I, I always thought they still looked a bit shaky on corners. Mm. Um, strangely, I didn't feel he, he won enough in the air defensively. So I yeah. think it was a team thing maybe. And and I, I actually, again, I agree, this is going to sound a cop-out, but I agree with Jamie McAllister here. And he was saying that basically City need to become more aggressive on corners. They need to get contact early. They need to dominate, dominate those... Close to attack them. Like yeah. they're, when they're on the attack, they're they're quite decent. At, well, they were last season decent at corners, so they need to treat the defensive corners the same as the attacking ones, don't they? Attack the wall, I suppose. It sounds so simple, yeah. but in reality, getting them drilled to do it is an, is another thing. They do, and um, I think this is maybe a byproduct of not buying ready-made players um, and having to, well, giving yeah debuts and fielding young players, and you need to wait for them to sort of mature a little bit mm. and master these situations and obviously yeah City have recruited well this summer and bought in like four ready-made championship players I think in the longer run that will help but just at the moment it's, it's, it's a bit of a problem but positives to take are that Jamie Patterson is off the mark this season and Andreas Weiman is looking very sharp he is yeah um, even last night he didn't score but I thought he played well when he came on um, class when he sort of got the, the ball in the wide position some really good intelligent crosses and mm. he looks a real threat and yeah I mean if he carries on like the goal scoring form he's shown so far mm. then he should get 20 odd goals or not too far off that and Bobby Reid replacement yeah exactly he looks he looks just the just the part so again I come back to this I think they have recruited well and I can't wait to see Famer Jeju and um, Ryman up front. I just think those two could be the, the dream ticket in a way. You mentioned last night. So last night was the defeat to Plymouth in the Carabao Cup. Now, let's talk about this in some detail because the Carabao Cup was absolutely magical last season and I'm sure there's a few Bristol City fans thinking this morning, well, it's a shame. We're not going to experience that again this season. Of course, they could have an FA Cup run yet. But they took all those Premier League scouts along the way. There was this massive buzz around the city, I think it's fair to say, around the club. There was the magical moment with Lee Johnson uh, spinning around Jaden, the young ball boy on the touchline. Well, we're not going to see that this year because that only happens, really only happens in cup competitions because it's do or die. So those moments that were created in the League Cup last season, the ones that will be in the TV sort of adverts and things like that, won't happen now because they're out of that, that cup and it's a shame. But did they really want to be in it? Oh, mark my words, they wanted to be in it. They wanted to win last night. Um, Lee Johnson was pretty, not I wouldn't say angry, but he was he was grumpy. <laughs> it was a fair play to him. He was grumpy in the <laughs> press conference in a, in a way last night and in a good way. He, he, did, he didn't want to lose. The club didn't want to lose. The club didn't want to go out at this point. 
Um, I, I think they wouldn't have minded leaving, exiting the competition at an earlier stage if it meant that they had a knock-on effect this year in the, to their league form. Mm. But, yeah, they wanted to win. Make, yeah, make no bones about it. They wanted to win last night and went all out in the final minutes, the final half, and put on the, the A-listers to, to try and pull back the game, but they couldn't do it. They brought on the A-listers, but of course, when you're missing someone like Famara Jiju, it's not easy. But a name that you mentioned in the post-match press conference, we're going to hear this in a second, is Milan Juric. And do you think he was a, a big loss last night? I mean, it's not someone you'd normally mention in the league as being a big loss, I don't think it's fair to say now. But last night, do you think he could have unlocked that Plymouth Argyle defence? I do, actually. I think he would have I think he would have scored last night. There were the last 30 minutes or so Bristol City were peppering the Plymouth goal with shots from long range and, and cross after cross loads of Calmo Dowder and Andres Wyman crosses just sort of dinked up to the back post and Lee Johnson spoke about this after the game that basically they, the Robins didn't have anyone who was willing to get across their marker mm. early and high enough and aggressively to, to get to the ball first. And that's where Jeju is brilliant, so mm. they missed him. But also, Jurich was very good at that, and he probably would have caused havoc, is, is what Lee Johnson said last night, and I agree with that. Yeah. Um, just one other point from Lee, he said, mm. um, basically, the, the players didn't show enough balls, is his uh, <laughs> quote, um, well, in, in terms of doing that. and. Yeah, a commitment almost in, yeah. in putting themselves on the line is what yeah. you're saying. Well, let's hear from Lee Johnson now. This is Gregor t- talking to him in the post-match press conference after the Plymouth Argyle defeat in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Milan Juric would have been pretty handy, do you think, on some of those chip crosses tonight? Or? Maybe, but listen, I, I love Milan to bits, but he ain't been the same. Do you know what I mean? He, he's had he's had some some major surgery there, and. Uh, like in fairness to him, we, we tried to give him a sort of slow build-up and hopefully that will stand him in, in good stead. Um, listen, you can make an argument for that, of course you can, but we had to make a decision based on, on finances and, and based on players that we brought in, based on the fact that obviously Milan's family is in Italy, do you know what I mean, and he wanted to get back, and based on the fact that he's had a quite a, a dodgy run of injuries. But yeah, there's an argument that we could have slung him on for... Like 15, 20 minutes at the end, and he, and he would have caused uh, a bit of havoc. I'm sure he would have. Would you replace him because maybe you need another physical presence? Yeah, we haven't. No, we, this we're done now. Listen, if we if we do anything now, it's going to be it's going to be short term thinking, if you like, to cover like for example maybe a centre half. If um, if we determine that our centre halves aren't going to be fit uh, quick enough, um, and uh, and we're done and we get so on with it. Is Betty right? Out long term, then. Bailey Wright's just had a reoccurrence of a thigh injury that's um, like he sort of like takes three steps forward and four steps back. You know, he's like, uh, we think he's all right. We think he's ready. He would have played tonight. He, he, we didn't take him um, away with us because we wanted him to play tonight. And then he does his bit of extra with the physios on Saturday and gets a reoccurrence of the of a thigh muscle injury and uh, obviously he's disappointed because the poor kid's had a bit of a bad run of it in the last sort of three or four months and he didn't deserve it. Taylor Moore's a long-term one as well. To be honest, Taylor Moore's probably the closest to returning out of all of them because uh, he, had, he had an injection to, to get rid of some inflammation and to just free up the joint a little bit. He's out on the grass sort of moving, a little bit gingerly, but we hope that uh, that 
progresses quickly. But obviously, Taylor Moore's not an experienced player, you know, and uh, he's a good player. He's had a very, very good pre-season. And uh, this would have been an ideal game, really, again, to, to blood somebody like that. But listen, we're disappointed. We've gone out of the cup, which we was very successful last year in, and it's had a, it gave us a lot of profile. Whether it's a blessing in disguise, we'll find out later on. Um, but the squad, you know what I mean, now loses a game or two uh, that they could they could get, and uh, they're good cups to stay in because you can always somebody's got a carrot if you like coming up that they can play in those games when you're holding a decent sized squad. So Sterling Johnson, they're talking about the centre back sort of problems they've got at the moment, but not in the market for anyone else before the end of the window in terms of that position. Do we believe that? And uh, is that overall, by the way? It's, it's, a good, it's a good question whether we believe um, the club, because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to call Lee Johnston a liar, but um, I am sure that... He uh, could be being economical with the truth. Yeah. Because he I'm, says we're done. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that um, there has been times in the past where maybe it hasn't been quite the most truthful. <laughs> maybe in terms of like team news and injuries, and that's all a, all a game to an extent, sort of mis, misleading the opposition if they're yeah, listening. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do think they are done. Um, I, I do believe him when he says that. Um, yeah, so I, I find that a bit of an interesting one because I, I assumed, and I think most City fans will have done, that leaving, letting Jurich go, you're going to bring in another physical option. And I guess, in a way, that explains why they snapped up Mo Isa, um, because that kind of deal came out of nowhere. And I, I guess that they felt that that was too good a deal to let slip through their fingers. So they picked up Mo, and, yeah, they've, they've let Milan go, who wanted to go. Um, obviously, Lee's just clarified there to mm. rejoin his family in Italy. And, and maybe the deal wasn't that bad in the end. I think I said on social media that my understanding was that... the fee was around 1 million euros in the end which isn't too bad when they did, they spent what 1.5 to 2 million pounds on him originally so got a lot of the money back for him really and yes yeah, it's, it's maybe not the worst deal but I am surprised that they're not going to br- look to bring in another physical presence I just want to talk to you about the transfer window for a second because I know you obviously spoke with Adam Baker on the podcast at length about it last week but let me talk to you about this I was speaking to a Bristol City fan uh, who I work with at Sky actually and he said I said, oh, how do you think you'll do this season? And he sort of sighed. And I said, do you not think you had a good transfer window? He said, no, not really. Because I wrote in my column last week, I thought it had been fairly positive. You had, for me, it was inevitable that Aidan Flint, Bobby Reid and Joe Bryan left. But he was really angry that they'd left. And Aidan Flint, I think he sort of resigned himself to the fact, OK, he didn't want to be here. But with Joe Bryan and Bobby Reid, he was saying, why didn't the club tie them down sooner? So why didn't they sort of say before Bobby Reid had started scoring all those goals, his price effectively was going up goal by goal, wasn't it, for his new contract or whether he wanted to leave. Why don't they tie them down two years before rather than looking just 18 months in advance or a year in advance? Why is that? To be fair, I think the club did. They, they, they did They try. did, yeah. Um, Mark Ashton did his interview, didn't he, at the end of last week, and he did explain that they'd been trying to tie down Joe Bryan for, and I know this to, to have been the case, for like the last 18 months, two years. Same with Bobby Reid. With Bobby... I think, I think his point as well, like 18 months, two years. Two years, he was saying, why aren't they doing it like two years before? Two years before. To, like their contract runs down. So yeah, is, is I, Mark, I do you think that is? Do you think yeah, that's... yeah, I think I'm, I'm 99% sure that is... That those conversations will have taken can place. You, can you do extensions any with a longer time left than that? Does that happen in football? Well, you can. I mean, 
like, should Bristol City be doing that? Is well, this was what this fan's point was? Yeah, I, I guess there's a there's a, an argument to be made about sort of rewarding players, and one example of that today, for example, is Wilfred Zaha's just signed a new so deal. Twenty twenty three, exactly, and he only got a new deal last summer as well. So yeah. I think this is what this fan was getting at because he was saying it's almost like they didn't have enough. This is his opinion. Mm-hmm. They didn't have enough faith in Joe Bryan or Bobby Reid to reward them with that lucrative contract before, for that better deal before. And if they had, and if they still put in a transfer request this summer, the club would have got a lot more money from it as well. Yes, yeah, I I, I can see where they're coming from, but I I just think, unfortunately, from what I know, the club has tried to do that and um, they have handed out a fair amount of new contracts this summer and in an ideal world, they would copy the likes of um, someone like Daniel Levy at Tottenham who tends to hand out, like, new contracts every year, doesn't he? You see that massive round of new contracts with them all sat down with Mauricio Pochettino and I think the club would like to do that. Um, and they have handed, as I say, handed out a raft of new contracts this summer. But sometimes you've got to take into account what the players want. And I think with Bobby Reed, they're a bit unfortunate in that his career just blew up, didn't it? That one year, who could have predicted that that was mm. going to happen? Um, and they had been talking to him though the summer before about, from what I know, um, about a contract extension. And the talks were going very positively. But a lot of the time, the agents and the players will say, "Well, let's just." hold our horses, let's see what, what happens. And that often comes from the player's point of view and not necessarily because it's financially related but because they want to see how much football they're going to play. Mm-hmm. And in Bobby Reed's case, he wasn't too sure he was going to be a first-team regular. Yeah. So especially with Famer Jeju signing at the mm-hmm. time. Um, so there was a lot of um, obstacles in the way of that one. With Joe Bryan, yeah, I, I understand that he was always ambitious and... Wanted to but, play at the highest level. Like, you know, Bristol City was saying they wouldn't let him leave to a championship club. Mm. Well, he was literally moments away from going to Aston Villa. And they can say, oh, well, he went to a Premier League club, but they'd accepted bids from Middlesbrough and Aston Villa. Yes, they did. And um, that would have been very tough to swallow. And I probably, well, I expect that Mark Ashton and Steve Lansdowne. Uh, very happy actually with the way that that panned out and that he went to Fulham because it's a lot more powerful. But it wasn't meant to. No, no, absolutely. Um, so and also, didn't, what did Fulham bid earlier? Did they bid anything earlier on in the window for him? Uh, no, my well, because we, we we thought there had been no bids from any Premier League teams yeah, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. My my information on this, there there weren't any bids, but there was a lot of Premier League interest. We reported on. Bristol Live, Bristol Post, there, there were all sorts of clubs keeping an eye on Brian, mm. Fulham, Wolves and others. And I'm going to blow my own trumpet here. I did say that I thought Joe would leave to a Premier League club at the, at the end of the window. And I also said Fulham a couple of times because I knew they were interested. Um, and yeah, when when I was told that basically the bids had been accepted for him uh, and that he'd chosen to go to Villa, I was told that there was still a little bit of Premier League interest in him. So I was kind of half keeping an eye out for someone to come in at the last. Yeah, exactly. And that is absolutely what happened. So, So, yeah, yeah. as it is, he's he's gone to Fulham. Yeah, I'm probably thinking that Steve Lansdowne and Mark Ashton are quite relieved about that. He had his first start at the weekend, as did Bobby Reed in the Premier League. I only saw a little bit of that, but how do you think they did? Well, I I can't um, say that I watched their their performances in detail, but I, I just think it's great that they're playing up there and, yeah, they are sort of showing what can be achieved for the younger Bristol City players. But I agree with what you, the, your colleague at Sky in terms of City have kind of got to use this as 
as a... He was concerned about their lack of ambition. Yeah, and City have got to use this now to learn from it and progress from here and make sure that when Lloyd Kelly is being is renewing mm-hmm. his contract um, next summer, maybe, uh, well, they're trying to tie him down to a new deal again next summer, that they're convincing him that the best place for him to mm. be is, is at Ashton Gate. Yeah. Uh, Zach Viner as well, those two, Max O'Leary... Three top talents. Sean Mikulski, what a goal he scored last night. Yeah. He, this guy's a talent as well. They need to make sure these guys are, are not going to leave in the same circumstances. I've just got one last point I want to add on the, the Brian and Reed thing before we, mm. before we move on. Just that one of the things I heard, um, and I don't think this has kind of been touched on really, is that um, historically Bristol City haven't paid their local players as well as as other players like new signings and that and I think that's kind of understandable in a way because you know you you have to bid well you have to mm-hmm. pay well to attract the best players and and beat off the competition mm. um but maybe just maybe there's something in that and city need to maybe look at that and okay, refine that in um in terms of progressing mm. They're not going to stay if they don't think they're worth as much as someone else exactly exactly and I'm not saying by the way I just want to uh, clarify that I'm not in any way saying that money was um a motivator for any of these guys to move on because uh, it wasn't um but but it's still they, a factor isn't it exactly and i just think it maybe sets the wrong tone yeah interesting okay well uh we'll see if anyone comes in before the end of the loan window looking unlikely we think but you never know this weekend bristol city at home to top of the table middlesbrough uh, they have seven points from three games. They have played a game extra ahead of Leeds, who are looking very good so far. So what do we think? Aidan Flint's return to Ashton Gate. Tony Poole is coming down as well. This is going to be a big ask for Bristol City. Yeah, um, asked Marlon Pack the other week. He was in the press conference and I was asking him about Aidan Flint returning and if he'd spoken to him and if he'd give him any like special treatment on the pitch mm-hmm. or anything. And yeah, he said he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And he said he wouldn't even speak to him before the match as well because you have to be in that zone. Which is funny because they're almost family, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. These guys because, are um, big mates. But I think, oh, I might be wrong, but I think that Aidan Flint goes out with Marlon Pack's sister-in-law or something like that. <laughs> so they are all, okay. they're very close. <laughs> okay, right. Um, so I think that's right. Forgive me if it's not, but there is some sort of fam- actual family connection rather than just being ex-teammates. Oh, okay. So right. uh, it'd be interesting to see if he puts in a hard one or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I also asked uh, Dean Holden... Actually, it wasn't me that asked Dean Holden, but one of the other journalists asked Dean Holden in the press conference last week about set pieces and would they come up with a new routine yes, for dealing with to Aiden deal with Aidan Flint. Flint. Yeah, and uh, he was joking about having... Well, I think Aidan was joking about having three defenders uh, marking him. But, yeah, certainly City will be looking at that. Do you think that... Let's just talk about Aidan Flint for a second. Uh, my mother-in-law watches the World Cup religiously because she loves it and people are playing for their country because they want to play for their country. But then she says club footballers are mercenaries. Now, I don't think that's true of all club footballers, but it is true to many Probably, I think that's fair to say that they want to go where their career progresses rather than having loyalty to a club. So is Aidan Flint, does he fit into that category? And do you think he's going to further his career at Middlesbrough? Well, at the moment, you'd say that with Middlesbrough top of the table and Pulis probably yeah, a, a decent manager at the very least, then um, he's probably got a good chance of going up this season. And 
yeah, City wouldn't have wanted to sell to another championship side, but when they come in and they're willing to like quadruple his wages, which they mm. could well have done with those parachute payments that mm. they get, mm. then it's tough to compete against them. Uh, and Flinty, what, he's turned 29 now, mm. so... It's his last chance, really. It is, it? yes. I mean, he's probably not going to get many bigger contracts, so this was probably his, his one big move if he, if he was going to do it. So And and his chance maybe to get to the Premier League, because exactly. no Premier League club came, to, came in from this time. Do you exactly. think he's, he, he would have been slightly frustrated, because in sort of December, January, sorry, January time, that Brighton were in for him, and, you know, he never got that move to the Premier League. Do you think he would be slightly frustrated by that? Uh, good question. I I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's tough to to tell, isn't it? Really. I mean, he did. He did. I think he did the right thing, staying at Bristol City. Obviously, they had the. Um, I think he thought that was a chance going up, didn't he? You know, in yeah, January. Absolutely. But then, by the time he signed his new contract in March, is he just signing that to make his fee go up? I, I, I know that sounds quite harsh, but when we spoke to him at that press conference. He was so non-committal and it was clear that, you know, yeah, I, Love Island speak, his head was turned. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder, and I, I mean, I was going to ask Lee Johnson about this today in the pre-Middlesbrough co- press conference. Might get a chance to drop this in later if he confirms it. But I just wonder if there was like a gentleman's agreement. that um, A shake of a hand. Yeah, if we that, don't go up, we'll Yeah, and, and, and to be fair as well, Mark Ashton has, has kind of hinted at that to right. an extent in his interview saying that basically there was consistent... Uh, interest in Aidan Flint all the way along last summer in the January window when, yeah, he wanted to go. Okay, well, you know, fair enough. And I guess we're all sort of mercenaries to our jobs in some ways. So it's not a criticism of footballers, it's just the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, I could always do with a pay rise, but... (laughs) Well, you know, if you're a mercenary, you go off to some big London tabloid. We'll see you later. Um, So let's talk about Middlesbrough just a little bit more before we go. Uh, Tony Poulis... You think he's probably going to do a job there and take them up this season? Because he you know, he went in and took the reins last season, got them to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I fancy Middlesbrough to go up. Um, well, I, what do you think is going to happen Saturday then for Bristol City? Well, this what is would a, be a good result? This is the thing. I mean, football's so funny, isn't it, that I kind of had a sneaky feeling that Plymouth might get a result last night just because of the way that they were trounced in the first round last season yeah, and what yeah, happened. Yeah, last season, yeah. And then I wouldn't be too surprised if, if City roared back and got a great win against Middlesbrough at the weekend. To really start that season. Exactly, and that would be brilliant. That put him in a really good position, I think. So everything to play for. But let's be honest, Borough are going to be so tough and mm. I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was yet another score draw. And QPR on Tuesday, fixtures coming thick and fast. Uh, what are you thinking about this one? Hopefully, hopefully get a win on the board there. Um, obviously, QPR haven't started too mm. too well under Steve McLaren. No wins yet. No, well, no points yet. So City have got to look to be going there and getting something at the very least, mm. and uh, basically build from there. But should should sort of reiterate that this side is going to take a little bit of gelling and coming together. You've got the likes of Adam Webster and and other people to to uh, really slot in and. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. OK, well, we'll look forward to the QPR game next week. Gregor thinks that's probably City's best chance of three points in the next week, I think it's fair to say. Uh, we will see what happens as well against Middlesbrough. Join us next week. We'll review both of those games and we're still keeping an eye out for any loan transfer activity. I know Lee Johnson said they're done, but we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Can I just add on that? I- yeah, it sounds like at this moment in time that they're not going to bring in another goalkeeper as well. Yeah, so. that really surprises me mm. because... 
Obviously, you've got Max O'Leary, who you've been talking about, Frank Fielding, and Nicky Mainpar is the main guy. Of course, he's coming from Brighton, and he's looked fairly good. Yeah, but you think they need another one? Um, Depends what they're going to do with Max. If they're going to let Max go um, out on loan, which might be best for him to play regular first-team football, especially now they're at the Carabao Cup, mm. then, um, yeah, they probably do need a, a third-choice guy. And unless they're going to give somebody like Jojo Wallacott a, a place on the bench occasionally, and depending on how long Frank's out for, but that that one is supposed to be until like late October, November. So, yeah, a um, bit of surprise that they're not going to let Max they've, go they've only got two. They've only got two fit keepers at the moment, haven't they? Yeah. With Frank out, so perhaps yeah. it is a bit surprising. All right, well, watch this space. Thank you so much, Gregor. Uh, we'll be back next week. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services, based in Bristol, who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557. Robins on the Wire.